Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to my next guest, Annie Emerson. Welcome to the Swim for Tribe podcast. Annie, you, you're not, you, you're familiar with all this, aren't you? You know, you know how this works. Well, hopefully by now I've got a bit of an idea um, in terms of podcasts. You know, they just seem to be a thing that have kind of grown massively, haven't they? Which is, I think it's lovely that people are tuning in to all sorts of different subjects. I mean... My journey was... Sorry, go ahead. So for me, basically, I mean, I know everyone thought this would be a great idea during the first lockdown, but it really, really helped me just to speak to, you know, coaches, athletes, you know, because I wasn't getting onto poolside anymore and everything was closed. And it just kept my sanity, really, to talk try, to talk swimming, to talk coaching, to, you know, like-minded old friends, family. Uh, It just really helped. And, And But you've been doing this quite some time. Let's start with your athletic background first, perhaps. Now, you were known as a runner, but that wasn't strictly your first background as an athlete? No, I mean, my, I guess my background, you would call it pretty unconventional, um, sport-wise. So I was a good runner at school and did a lot, of, um, well, I say a lot, of, you know, a fair amount of schools across country, but um, not a lot after that, Dan. So I wasn't a club runner or anything oh, like okay. that. okay, interesting. And... Um, in my late teens, I'd say about 19, yeah, so right at the end of my teens, I was doing a tele-sales job and I um, just decided that I was kind of having a bit too much fun partying, a bit too much <laughs> alcohol, and I started swimming before work. I literally kind of thought, okay, I need to plan to do something before work because that will mean that I'll leave the pub early, I'll go home, and it quickly spiralled um, in the sense that I kind of, I would swim twice a week and then I think, right, next week I'm going to swim three times, and then the following week I'd swim four or five and um, I, w- I wasn't a great swimmer I mean I hadn't ever sort of swam at a club level or anything like that um, and I met some guys um, who um, got me involved in triathlon they said like you gotta come have a go at this triathlon malarkey and this was about 91 I guess wow. and I, I had no idea what triathlon was and I was like you know what yeah I'll give that a go <laughs> so that was really how my triathlon career started it was completely by accident so as early as 1990, I mean, it, it really was not that well known at all, was it? No, I mean, absolutely not. But, you know, the growth of the sport, I mean, I guess particularly, you know, since, you know, I mean, you know, 2000, we were up and running, you know, when we were in the first Olympics, we had some great, uh, great triathletes um, in Great Britain. But, you know, that Simon Lessings and Spencer Smith and, uh, and there was Tim Don just starting out. Um, but I guess from 2012 onwards in the last kind of eight years with the help of the Brownlee brothers, I think that the sport has grown twofold, definitely. But certainly in 1990, no, you know, people didn't know that's, what triathlon that's pre, was. You know? that, that was pre-London triathlon. Um, I mean, trying, yeah. to, trying to find a race back then would have been tough. You, you had... <gasps> You had Iron Man. You, well, yes, you didn't have an Iron Man in the UK, did you? You you had Iron Distances. I remember Iron Bridge was going at that time. Kona, obviously, but you know, trying to find a race wouldn't have even been that easy. No, there were some great races um, down in Swindon, and that's where I first raced. And then, of course, in '93, 
um, the ITU held the World Championships here, and there was that great battle between Spencer Smith and Simon Lessing. Um, Spencer Smith ended up winning. Um, so, yeah, I mean, at that stage, I guess early 90s, you know, it wasn't well known, but the World Championships did come to, to Great Britain, to Manchester, Manchester. And, and it was an amazing race, and I did manage to race it as an age group athlete, and it's funny, because, you know, I kind of, you know, with all the podcasts I've been doing, people always say to me, ah, oh, it's all right, you know, you were a pro, or you're a pro, I'm certainly not a pro now, but um, <laughs> I did go through the age group ranks, which a lot, a lot of people don't know about me, and I guess, you know, I was lucky that the sport was very young at the time, and, you know, there was not the depth of talent there is now, so quite quickly, I moved up the ranks, and I guess that gave me the motivation, inspired me to sort of carry on, um, you know, and I want to achieve more in the sport. That's, I mean, that's really refreshing to hear, because your running prowess, I made the mistake of assuming you were a, a strong club runner, and then migrated to triathlon, but that's not the case, that's, that's good to hear. No, and it's good, I mean, I'm not someone who... Um, my husband always tells me off for not sort of like kind of selling myself more. You know, I always, because I always kind of think, you know, we, we swim by run. You know, it's great what we do, but we're not saving lives. Um, you know, I know we inspire as triathletes, you know, um, and it's great to be able to do that. But I guess that when I look back at what I achieved and when I think it's sort of like the age of 19, I was sort of still on this kind of, uh, you know, five nights a week, you know, going to wine bars as they were then and drinking lots of wine and smoking. And, and then sort of fast forward, I guess, 10, 11 years, and I was racing on the uh, Great Britain Half Marathon team with um, with Paula Radcliffe, um, which I qualified for by winning the, uh, the Bath Half Marathon um, in, in 2001. Um, so, yeah, so, or 2001, 2001. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess my parents gave me good heart and lungs. <laughs> <I'll take that. laughs> so, so, obviously, um, you did stumble into running and become an exceptional runner, and then duathlon beckoned but you still persevered with triathlon well it's funny Dan because I guess people will say oh yeah I mean I, I had some great races as, as a duathlete and when I retired in 2006 um, I, I retired as the um, world number one duathlete so that was brilliant it was a good time to go um, and to make some changes in my life and do some different things but but I would have always called myself a triathlete you know I started out by you know qualifying for Manchester I raced all them European Cup races, World Cup races. I guess my regret is that, you know, not qualifying for an Olympics. I tried. Um, I was injured um, into that kind of era, 2004. Um, and by then, I wasn't quite sure what, what I was kind of doing and stuff in 2000. I wouldn't have been ready. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of got bronze medal at European Championships, which European Championships was, you know, big, big race. Everyone mm. turned up in 2001 when Michelle Dillon won. Um, so, you know, I just sort of considered myself as, you know, a multi-sport athlete, really, not a duathlete, triathlete or a runner. Um, but, uh, yeah. That's, that's really good. And then during this time... Um... Had you thought about coaching or the comp? How did it? How did the next stage evolve? What came next? The commentating, the coaching. I guess when I retired in two thousand and six, um, you know, I'd already sort of started coaching a couple of people that had come to me, um, and I love my coaching. Um, but I kind of uh, much, I sort of haven't really grown it. I've always stuck around about 10 athletes, um, which I think is a nice number because obviously my life is quite busy in different areas. And the, the broadcasting came, I was really John Lund, um, from who then owned Human Race, Human everyone Race. Will, 
well, not many people in triathlon don't know um, John Lunt, I guess, most famous for um, being the race director at 2012. And of course, you know, owning Cuba Race and putting on some of the best early races that we saw in this country. Um, and I remember I was working for Try 247, I was working with John Beverson and Henry Budget um, on the editing side and we uh, I went to interview John Lunt and um, he said oh, you, should, you should get into some TV work so it was him that got me involved oh, in the dream team who covered all the domestic races in the country um, sort of London Windsor uh, races like that and and that's how it all started and then somehow or another I ended up with the BBC as well so and, and... it's all kind of grown together Dan <laughs> and, and what a highlight Rio 2016 you were actually there weren't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I was at 2012, um, but I worked on the more on the ground side. Okay. Um, I was working with um, various uh, people, can't remember exactly. I was working with Richard Stanner, was there, um, a few others, and I was working on the live side. Of, of the triathlon so like over the PA we were commentating which was amazing um, and I must admit oh, you know it was terrifying but I loved it and then Rio I went to um, and uh, that was a pretty pretty big job that was a pretty amazing um, week there to be working alongside Jonathan Edwards on the presenting side of the program and then commentating with Matt Chilton you know and commentating oh. races where you know you've won a gold silver obviously Johnny and Ali and then in the women's race Vicky Hollands yeah that was pretty major I guess in terms of my commentary presenting career and and you really uh, as much as you took your training seriously and and your racing your your comment you really do your research don't you you really know the background you speak to the coaches you speak to the athletes you bring that content and that background which which is you know it's a, it's a professional approach and it needs that i mean the races are long there's a lot of opportunity to talk but you know that background you really take that seriously i really do oh my gosh it's sort of um when I think about commentating, it's it's never easy, <laughs> um, and you know it's it's one of those things that when you it's a bit like I guess the reason I love it is because it is a bit like actual racing because you have that adrenaline, particularly you know events like you know that the Olympics or Leeds is always a live event and stuff. You know you can't make mistakes, and I guess sometimes I'm probably better at the live stuff when you really have to be on your toes. And when we're doing a pre-record, maybe a, a red button number, and then th then there's a highlights program from that. You know you won't you won't always get it right, um, and, <laughs> and it's not an easy job. Uh, funnily enough, you'd think it would be really easy, but you don't make everyone happy. <laughs> you know, you can you can get some you know pretty nasty comments, and you can get some great comments. And, um, and but the one thing I do try to do is kind of know the athletes and and do the homework on the athletes. And I think that's really crucial to create that 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 picture and and give people that are watching an understanding of what's going on. And and um, it's not easy though, Dan. I can <laughs> but imagine. I do love it, and it is fun. Yeah. You know, nothing but the great. I mean, you know, these races take an hour and 50 minutes that's that's a lot to that's a long time to be involved with it, it is and you know bearing in mind a lot of time we're you know we're in a studio we're in a little dark studio we've kind of got you know one two screens in front of us and you don't always get particularly good feedback from what's happening you're relying very ah. much on the film crew um the local film crew so if you have it's a race in germany or something like that um, and sometimes you know it's not always so easy for the cameras to, to follow the race really well around you know streets particularly if it's a narrow course so you can only talk over the pictures that that you have and you know and that's 
that's not always easy and yeah sometimes we're up on a gig and it's like if it's Tokyo it might be like three four o'clock in the morning <laughs> and that's a tough gig because Tokyo isn't the most exciting of courses or rather not Tokyo Yokohama Tokyo okay. hopefully will be really exciting if that goes ahead um, but Yokohama can be quite quite a tough race to commentate on because very often you're dealing with sort of like from from the get-go out of the water 40 or 50 guys riding together and you're just waiting for a 10k run and it's three o'clock in the morning and you're completely knackered and, and those, those are tough gigs but I guess for everyone like that you know we have an exciting one so you, you've worked yeah. with some really good coaches in the past I mean did they inspire you to move into coaching was that always going to be something you wanted to try um, it's you know sharing the knowledge is an amazing thing and um yeah, definitely. I've worked with some, you know, some amazing coaches from Bill Black, lovely Bill Black, way uh, back, um, who was Spencer Smith's coach. He took me to my first European Cup race and, and really made me believe that, you know, I, I could could win races at a good level. Um, I worked with Chris Jones, who I absolutely loved. Um, so Chris Jones was one of the coaches um, for 2000 in Sydney, been uh, around a long time. He's kind of moved over to, to running now and does a lot with well athletics and UK athletics um, he certainly was really influential in me getting to the World Half Marathon Championships and coached me to a, a 73 half in, in Bath you know um, and then Gosh. obviously Brett Sutton Brett is you know is an amazing coach um, and um, taught me different ways I think of coaching like you know looking outside the box you know everyone's different you know learning how to push people and, and when to push and when not to push. I think if anything, you know, as a coach, I'm probably a bit too soft. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm always hard on myself, but I, I actually find it quite hard to, to be. And I think as a coach, you probably find this, Dan, you feel like you have this responsibility that you need to look after people oh, and yeah. not wrap them in cotton wool. But, you, you know, athletes train hard and most people who come to you or me or, or whoever to be coached are fairly driven people anyway. And you kind of almost sometimes need to hold back because you want to protect people and you don't want them to get injured you know and oh, you know, we've all been injured in the past and some injuries take a long time to get you know get rid of and so I'm probably a bit over protective of my athletes maybe I should push them a bit harder <laughs> well it's it's interesting but you know that often gets overlooked but I'm, I'm doing a course at the moment with the uh, International Swim Coaches Association and and I haven't read or been reminded of this for many years with the various things I've looked at but you know there are there are outcomes and consequences to what we as coaches do. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, and, and people just think, all oh, right, I'm going to make them work hard. I'm going to get this out of them. I'm going to do that. But actually, you know, you've got to be sure where you're leading them is where they need to be and where people want to go. Exactly. And it's not, you know, you look at what some people try and achieve, like, you know, whilst holding down like full-time jobs oh, yeah. as well. And, you know, sometimes someone will come to me and go, yeah, yeah, I want to kind of do this, and I want to achieve this, or race this side, man. You go, what does your week look like? And they're like, oh, well, you know, I work sort of 40, 50 hours, and you're thinking, oh, my God. You know, like, yeah. we trained maybe sort of somewhere between 20 and 30 hours a week, you know, and the, when we weren't training, we could sort of sleep and eat and then rest. <laughs> and so you do feel a real responsibility to look after people and to make sure that they they have lives outside of their work life and their, their triathlon on training life you know it is all about balance and sometimes trying to find that balance isn't isn't easy i, I think people listening to this are going to find it really refreshing refreshing that you know without a, a strict sporting background you improved you worked on your weaknesses uh and you did you know became became an elite competitor 
Um, you know, I know you never really enjoyed the swim, and, and I'd like later for you to remind us about that lovely story about the pontoon, but, but if that's okay. But before, before, before that, I mean, any tips, you know, uh, people have heard me drone on about swim technique, and, but, you know, from, and I think people listen to it coming from and think, well, it's all right for you. You've done it since you were a tadpole at the age of two. But, you know, from someone that had to work hard on this, I mean, any, any advice you can give the people listening? swim bike running consistency is really key um it's really key it has to be and the water no, i always say to people you've got to get the basic stroke you know if you have a stroke that doesn't work it doesn't matter how much you're in the pool you're, you're probably not going to get that much quicker um so finding great swim coaches you know like yourself is really important um you know and hopefully you're great you know you, you're not going to be able to someone can't come to you if i came to you at the age of 20 you know when i started triathlon and said to you okay make me swim like you know Ian Thorpe or something like that you know you'd say Annie well I can't but I can try and make you the best that you can be with what you have so I'd always say to people like try and find the best technique and I guess as you know Dan like this is probably going to be a bit negative for people but it's not easy and some people get it really quickly and some people struggle ever to really find you know that position in the water that you you need that makes you you know swim quicker that causes less drag Um, so there are all sorts of little different techniques so I guess what I would say to people is, you know, um, get that training that you need, the coaching that you need initially to find a decent stroke and dip back into that because, you know, you will know you're a great swimmer yourself and someone like Rich Stannard, who's a good friend, he would, you know, he would get people to look at his stroke, you know, even though he was leading out IT races, you always want someone to be checking up on your stroke and making sure that you're kind of not picking up bad habits. But I think the other thing is probably little and often, you know, get in the water yeah. as often as possible. So it's not about going once a week, I'll do 4K and that's it. I think, you know, getting in the water, you know, you're better off probably if you can only swim 5K a week doing five 1K sessions kind of thing. But that's not always easy for people, is it? Yeah. Because you can't always get to a pool and, and, and stuff. I don't know what your thoughts are, Dan. What are your thoughts? No, I... I, I, I... <laughs> I absolutely um you know until I'm blue in the face but you know swimming is the is the it's not time efficient is it people don't want to go five times because it's arriving and getting changed and getting in and and dealing with the public who are getting in the way it's just it's just not time friendly is it it's not like opening the door and and going for a run but 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 while we're on that when I first went and did a proper you know, park run um, with a with a good runner, and we arrived early, and we did our sh- stretching, and I did our strides, and then we did some proper warm up. I like, oh, actually, running's not that too dissimilar. It, you know, there's a fair bit of prep that should go into this. So, I, actually, I'm not going to take you know uh, the easy way out when it comes to sw- swimming. Yeah, it, it's tough. I know it is, but but I'm fond of saying you know one swim a week is six days of unlearning, and I think you know it, it, and people need to be realistic. If you're only swimming twice a week, I could probably keep you plateauing. But yeah. but three, four, then you start to make small gains. But it needs to be at least three or four, really, to to slowly progress forwards. I, th- I think you know. You... I, I, it's, it's, that, that's the thing, you know. And I 
and I mean I have a really great friend who kind of gets really frustrated you know with his swim and you know and he does have quite a bit of time on his hands and he you know he's biking and running you know like miles and miles a week and then you go well how much he's how much he's swimming well once or twice well and you're upset that your swimming isn't getting better you know listen if you haven't got the time that's a completely different story but if you do have the time the best way to improve is like anything and it's to, to make sure for me that you have that basic technique it doesn't have to be you know like an olympic swimmer it never will be if you haven't started from when you you know but you're young but it's to swim as often as you can i think right? those are i think those are wise words definitely definitely and and, and what i did find i did find um a kind of way that worked for me but this was obviously after you know literally thousands of miles swimming and my, my guess for a triathlete you know I did I did swim a fair amount um and uh, in the end trying to find a way to improve um and I found right at the end of my career having fought to try and find that you know good body position that you know I'd always find if I slipped in a large pool boy and then I'd be like oh right I can keep up with everyone um <laughs> and I did a lot of towards the end and I wouldn't recommend this to people who aren't great swimmers because I think you'll end up with shoulder injuries and all sorts of things but swimming with the band around the ankles without anything else and not using the pool boy or anything and I found this way of kind of doing short sharp sprints and then taking it off and then like swimming 200 meter reps and Dan right at the end of my career when it didn't matter any longer I was kind of knocking 10 seconds off my 200 meters time which you and I both know is huge when you've been swimming already quite a long time so um it was a bit late then because I was giving up then so (laughs) but it's a good use what, it's funny though there's, there's you know there's so many different methods and ways and and you've got there's a lot of exp- I get you know even it's just frustrating that it's time consuming to find out what works and then you've got to progress down that path and even to, even to choosing the right goggles that you know that don't irritate you it's it's not an, it's a not a cheap process in terms of time or money you know you've got to keep trying and what what do you do when you go into a shop and pick up a new pair of goggles you can't swim in them straight away can you see it's, oh my gosh, finding the right goggles. <laughs> and, and it gets harder as you get older because you have to find the goggles that le- leave the least amount of marks, right? Because otherwise I go swimming these days and for about 48 hours afterwards people say, yeah. oh, you look really tired. I've <laughs> like, great big goggle marks. <laughs> While we're still on the swimming... I. There was a there was there was a great story. I mean, we both know Steve True, and you came and helped. You know, you came and helped. I think it was one of the Stoke Mandeville weekend workshops, and you gave us the great story about how you literally you weren't looking forward to the swim, and you what what exactly happened? if I told you about my swimming if only I sort of like slightly believed in myself a bit more as well I had a couple of swims where I really proved to myself that I could actually do it but for most of my races I was sort of you know playing catch up from the swim and I I never came to terms with sort of um, or dealing with the nerves on the swim start. If I did duathlon, that was much better because I was starting with a run and I was a confident runner. But the swim, I would stand and I would literally gag on the start line oh. because I was so filled with fear. Um, and we, I had a couple of occasions, funny stories, um, 
I guess one particular, well, the one you're talking about, the pontoon, is I travelled from uh, Brazil, we've been training in Brazil, and I travelled to Melbourne, um, there was a race, an, an ITU World Cup race in Geelong, and I seemed to recover really well and got over my jet lag really well, well, the night before, for some reason, having been there five days, I did not sleep, so I was on the back foot already, anyway, um, I went to the start, feeling like absolute rubbish, looked out at this triangle, 1500 metres, I mean, that's not great is it Dan like you know when you're not a swimmer you like to sort of do the loops I like the loops because you get a chance you know to sort of sight well you can see your boys you've got something to aim for but when it's a triangle of you know 500 that way 500 that way 500 back in and you're in Australia and the, your mind starts playing tricks on you and you're thinking oh my god sharks god knows what else am I going to find in there and I'm the weakest swimmer in the field and I'm probably going to get left behind and then no one will realise that I've not come out of the swim and then it won't be until the end of the race that people will go where's Annie Emerson <laughs> so this is sort of playing havoc with my you know my brain and confidence anyway I get called onto the pontoon and I just thought I can't do it today and I carried on walking off the pontoon and Back, sat under a tree for two hours while the race went on and didn't start the race. <laughs> not my, not my finest moment, I have to say. Well, you'll be pleased to know that that happens to even you know. I I was not a, an open water swimmer. I came from a you know swimming pool background. So when I stumbled into the London Tri for the first time, you know, I I had not even given this a second thought. It was kind of a presumption that. It'll be all right. It's just swimming, but oh my goodness! And then the other—you talk about the race courses and shapes. I mean, I raced uh, as an age grouper and did sort of the UK, uh, you know, the Windsors, the Bournemouth. And and what used to make me laugh was walk like from Bournemouth from the upper cliff areas. You could look down and think, "Oh, look at that triangle. It's it's quite big, but you know, it looks all right." So what is it? What is it like? Uh, you know, it'll be like a two-lap race, and then you'll get to the edge, and then oh, there's four laps. Wow, that's too big, surely. We, 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 none of us are that confident. None of us are that positive. You know, on whatever level you're swimming, is it always daunt? Is daunting? Trust me. Yeah, it is, and I actually, I'm thinking about Mark Foster, who was uh, the great Mark Foster. He was at London one year, and I think he was part of the team, and he he didn't he was not looking forward to the open water swim. Really. You know, for swimmers, it's tough because you don't like swimming in, in wetsuits. And as you say, it's very different watching, you know, following that black line at the bottom of the pool, isn't it? To suddenly being in this murky water. And I think, you know, swimming, open water swimming is can be really daunting. And I guess that's another thing that I would say, you know, to people about swimming. You know, any chance you get, you know, when, when lakes open up, if you're going to do some triathlons over the summer months, is to get in open water as much as possible. Because the more comfortable you feel with something, you know, the, the easier it's going to be. It might not mean that you're quicker, but you'll be more relaxed, and that's that's going to make it easier. What um? Can you tell us a bit? It sounds like you raced in some pretty exotic, glamorous places. What you know? Are there? What what were your favourites that that you in regardless of you know whether you enjoyed the swim or not? Um, how about some of those destinations? What what are some favourites? I think you know triathlon has changed a lot over the last few years, and you know. For, obvious reason like the world triathlon series is is very different to i guess how i race even though it's quite a few years ago now obviously but we were you know i sort of was in the time of you know when 
triathlon move from non-drafting to drafting and I raced quite a lot of World Cup races which were obviously um, at the time they were the, the World Series and now they've kind of moved down to the sort of uh, tier under the World Triathlon Series um, so the World Triathlon Series now tends to be not that exciting the courses they're very much a bit more crit like you know with multiple laps but when I when I was racing the European Cup circuit was pretty big and um, that was a tier under World Cup and we did some great racing in Europe so my racing the best racing I did was always going to be where there was some serious hills um I loved the hills you know it didn't matter if I lost a minute or so you know on the swim because inevitably I could catch it up um on the bike which you can't do if it's a flat course and it's drafting because it doesn't matter how good a cyclist you are you're not going to ride down 10 girls that are completely committed um so I used to race uh, a race in uh, Bavaria in Germany called uh, the Schleswig Triathlon and it was an Alpine Triathlon part of the ETU Cup Series and that was just amazing it was a huge amount of hills that finished five kilometres up in a ski resort and then it was kind of like this brutal almost cross-country course so that was really good racing and then Carlsbad in the Czech Republic where I got bronze in the European Championships again that was another seriously tough course with like you know 20% gradient on the oh. bike you know so so I did some great racing in Europe actually you know I raced kind of all over the place uh, in the States in Japan in Australia but I guess some of my favorite racing was um in Switzerland Germany um Czech Republic yeah so well, there's too many countries that I haven't been to, I don't think. <laughs> you, you, you sort of moved into middle distance for a short while. Was that, was that a good move? Did you enjoy the, the sort of maybe the longer, slower swim? Was that... Cause did, you know did you... It's really funny, but, but Brett, uh, really, uh, you know, that's another reason I think I had to retire because I knew he wasn't going to coach me another season over the short stuff because he, he was really desperate to get me to race the long stuff. Um, which, which, funnily enough, I just never felt like I had the head for it. Um, and so I did race some halves, and and I think that was probably the distance that, you know, would have been a really great distance yeah. if I'd pursued it a bit further. Um, I raced the first ever um, UK half Ironman, which Clamberis. was in Lamberis, uh, where I probably had one of my best races ever, actually. And, and it was a great distance. But the thing was, Dan, I sort of get to 50, 60K on the bike, and I get bored. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I don't know how I would have fared over Ironman. I did race an international, the international Nice race. Do you remember when they did that? I think it was a four k swim, hundred fifty k ride, thirty k run, or something. And I remember absolutely horrifically hitting the wall with five k oh. to go. And for anyone listening who's been there, oh my god! And if you haven't been there, I don't wish it on anyone. You literally, you struggle to put one foot in front of the other, and it's it's not painful, but it is, isn't it? You probably. <laughs> It's yeah, it's not my cup of tea, that's for sure. Um, but but I, I think was it two thousand one or two thousand two, the very first um, UK seventy point. I, I was there watching, and and you won that race, didn't you? Did so. I mean that that's that's brilliant. And and you're right, probably for just four hundred meters swimming more. But, yeah. But but you know the extra bike and the extra run that that would have been you surely. It, it was good. It was good for me. And that day. Was 
was amazing. And I must admit, really bizarrely, because even though I am, I'm very lean, so, and I do suffer from Raynaud's, the, the, you know, the circulation It was problem, a cold so day, I, I recall. In the cold a lot. But bizarrely, I've had some of my best races in the cold. And that day in Lamberis was, was, was dreadful. I mean, we, you sort of, the, the swim started. I think the water was okay, but it was really foggy and misty. It rained most of the bike. Um, and then we had to run up the Lamberis, Lamberis Pass, so it was 10k up you know, sort of 10k and a bit more down. Um, and I, I had a completely out-of-body experience at that time. Um, and I ran, I think, the second fastest half marathon of the day, like, out of the whole field, like men and women, um, which was amazing. I think he even ran quicker than Richard Jones, <laughs> who won the race. Did Richard win? He did, didn't he? Yeah. Um, so that was amazing. That was a very out-of-body experience. But that was also, you know, my coach at the time, Brett, you know, just prepared me so well. You know, you could just go all day long. You got into this rhythm and just, just ran and didn't run out of energy. Let's bring this all together now then. So, you know, elite triathlon background, commentating, you know, from Tri247 onto the BBC and so on via human race. Um, this has brought you to podcasting let's ignore today and talking to me but on a more serious level um working with the bbc last year the tripod yeah the tripod was great it was a lot of fun um it was a project that we started to i think bring um you know people in more people into triathlon um and so we did it with a run-in starting um at the beginning of the year and we were doing a monthly podcast right up until Leeds um, with the finale being in Leeds we had lovely Jo Wiley from Radio 2 she was one of our guinea pigs that was involved um, Bow Babe anyone who's on Instagram big time will know uh, Bow Babe Deborah James an absolutely amazing human being um, so and a, and a great guy called Lloyd Davis who was our kind of just regular guy um and so each month we had different guests we had chris hoyan which was absolutely wow. amazing we had lucy gossage on the show we had josephine perry we had all sorts of people and steve cram um and that was really good fun and we really had hope that the bbc would um follow us on this year and, and back us but you know there were a few problems and financial issues and one thing and another and they were obviously very focused on tokyo which sadly didn't go ahead and it was then that i started chatting to mel berry who I've known for years. She actually um, took me on a speedo as one of the first of triathletes when speedo broke into triathlon in the sort of mid nineties, and we've always stayed in contact. And she has this, um, along with her lovely wife, she has the most amazing um, app now called Her Spirit. Her Spirit. Okay. And the Her Spirit app, and it, it's a, a brilliant community for women, encouraging women to be strong, independent people with the support of some um, great instructors online. We have bike classes, there are strength classes, there are yoga classes, and we just started discussing the possibility of doing a podcast for women. I say it's for women. I mean, we've had 34 guests, and we've only had one male guest. I know we have some male listeners, which is brilliant, because it's there for everyone, um, but we just hit a hundred thousand downloads today, which was amazing. Um, we hadn't anticipated that at the beginning. You know, it's basically a few thousand. It's grown and grown. We've had some incredible guests. I don't really want to kind of just 
pick you know one person out but having um, sporty spice mel c on uh-huh. the show i guess was incredible to have someone you know that big you know to come and chat with us was was amazing but you know we've had so many amazing guests um yeah so it, hopefully you know it's going to get bigger and better yeah so that's our podcast stuff at the moment i do it with louise minchin who's one of my great buddies who i work with on the world triathlon series she presents the show and i'm normally her sidekick after i finish finishing finish my commentating role um so yeah it's um it's the podcast the high spirit podcast with me and louise minchin brilliant and, and it's needed isn't it i mean we've tried to do uh women only sessions because there's something about the swimming in particular that it's not the, the men don't handle it so well or the you know the aggression boils over a little bit so you know we've tried to do weekend workshops and and you know keep things separate just so you know women can relax a little bit and enjoy it. and there is a different style of instruction it is very different isn't it you mean and, and women in within sports definitely definitely yeah i mean um i think women are better listeners sorry dad <laughs> i think you're, you're a coach you've got more experience than i have i think women do tend to be better listeners and i guess that's really normal right you know um women men are sort of you know i always like to go back to you know caveman days when you know men were out there sort of you know hunting you know they had that kind of main role and um but i think that women are very good at listening and taking instructions and you know following the letter and going okay you know this is what i'm doing so this is what i'm my coach is telling me to do i'm paying her so therefore you know i'm going to do as i'm told because that's the right thing to do whereas men are be like oh i'm not sure about that i think i just slightly do it my way and it's not all men and i hope no men are really offended by what i say um I don't know what your experience. What's your experience on that front, Dad? Well, it, it it depends on age and all sorts. I mean, there's you know, I, I was just reading a nice little study, and and you you know this sort of happens at swim club, and you know, girls, you 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 know. You, there's a different way to work with girls and boys and you know some people won't take compliments as well or don't like to be complimented in public um the, you know the way you praise people it, it's it's very subtle and there are differences um but we found you know, there, there absolutely are who was it that i was talking to the other day about oh yeah a really super um run coach dave newport who helped me for my, my sub three hour marathon which i did uh last year two years ago god time's gone too quickly um his i, I don't want to offend anyone his little strap line is don't be shit <laughs> which, um which for me i get that like I, i'm cool with that you know but then other people that i've spoken to about that oh no i don't like that no 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 that doesn't that that way doesn't work for me so you're absolutely right you know everyone has different brains the one big difference between men and women is physiologically and uh, physiologically you know men naturally have high levels of testosterone than women so the psyche is different right and that's that's completely normal you yeah. know we, we work differently and uh, but even in between the same sexes as you said you know people will work differently you know i'm quite happy to, for someone and to be quite hard on myself um other people don't like that you know that's not what works for them i i, I thought i could pride myself on the ability to sort of you know a weekend if you've got like a, a an eight week front crawl technique class um that meets once a week you've got a few weeks to 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 get to know swimmers and know who who's the joker who's the more serious you know on a weekend workshop it's really quite tricky and you you think you know people and you can read them and you can spot who's going to be the person that you can kind of 
pick on in a nice way a little bit, but but my goodness, when it goes wrong, um, it, it, it can be quite bad. I know what you mean. Yeah, definitely. And, and actually, yeah, sometimes the joke is always a funny one because I'm definitely a bit of a joke because sometimes I know I don't like when to shut up. But, but also when I get my head down and I work hard, I'm kind of then I... Yeah, I, I can put myself through quite high levels of pain. I think I, I often I often sort of go around the classroom and and sort of ask people, you know, strengths and weaknesses. What are they hoping to get out of the weekend? And you know, and, and what the, what they might have struggled with. And you know, if if I feel that I'm getting a good vibe, I, I might be able to try to break the ice a bit. And one of my my standard pieces is. You know, after they've listed, if, if somebody lists an awful lot of problems with their front crawl technique, I'll say, well, have you tried duathlon? And, <laughs> and it usually gets a, usually gets a giggle. But, but, but one day there was just this stony silence. And, um, you know, this poor, poor lady just did not think that was funny at all. So <laughs> it was like, I, I definitely, I'm, I'm a bit like that. And I know that, you know, I've, my twin sister, Charlotte, always says to me, I can't believe you just said that. It's like you've got Tourette's or something. But, <laughs> um, yeah, you learn by your mistakes, don't yeah, you? And yeah. you, can't, you can't make everyone happy. And I think actually one thing at the moment, Dan, is like you've got to have a sense of humor <sighs> in life, like whatever you're doing, because if you don't, like you're in trouble, you know, you've got to be able to. And I think you've got to be able to laugh at, at yourself as well. Don't ever take yourself too seriously. I mean, it, 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 you know, if this sport isn't paying your mortgage, you know, enjoy it, you know, enjoy the fabulous destinations you could go, the cool equipment you can buy. And, and you know, and there's a lovely camaraderie on, on training camps that, you know, it's it's rare that, you know, it. There's, it's rare that it's, it's not a great experience with lots of like-minded people coming together, working hard. And, and we always say like, oh, wasn't that good? You know, we go to Italy each year with Steve or, you yeah. know, or to Lanza and like, wasn't that a great week? But, you know, generally the people are lovely. Um, but yeah, just, just, you know, be careful who you're picking on too soon. Yeah. I think what actually, I was, I was just riding just before we, we started our podcast. I went out for a ride and um, into the Surrey Hills. Oh, a bit brutal. I went with my friend, and he's he's quite a lot stronger than me. But I'm not quite really know that I do have that. Um, yeah, it's like competitive streak because I'm pushing up this really really strong climb, and and I'm thinking I'm just not letting him get away. You know, he <laughs> nudge on a bit, and I just go no way, and I kind of jump back on and stuff. But chatting with him, he's a really tough time with work. He's a very successful guy, but he's had a very tough time and, and uh, you know would like to have been work and he, he's not at the moment and uh, like, do you know what the great thing is um, Steve is that you have another side of your life which is triathlon which you adore and you have some great mates that are far away from the job that you do and you go out riding the weekend and it's chilled and you laugh and you, you know you, and you challenge one another and you stop and you have coffee and cake and you know <laughs> I think we, we should appreciate that, you know, sometimes take a step back. And I said, you know, you could be one of those guys in the city, you know, waiting for the job to come along, sitting on uh, on your butt all day long kind of thing. And instead you're out, you know, with your mate, you know, climbing the hills and the Surrey Hills, you know, how lucky are we? So, yeah. I spoke to I spoke to Josie Perry um, last week, and I know you've worked with Josie before, and, and, and she phrased it really nicely. You know, it, it, everyone's in a, I think this is right, everyone's in a different boat in the same storm um so yeah you know we're, we're just all struggling through and doing our best um so you know i appreciate your time today it's been lovely we've had a chuckle you know this has made my day catching up um are you i'll have to come and have a swim 
with you one day, you know, <laughs> and you can, you know, it's a bit difficult now. I'm 50. I know there's not many changes you can make to my strength, but you never know. It could be you never quite know. an interesting challenge. Are it, you, I, I look forward to that. And um, we'll probably get Eddie Brocklesby wanting to tag along as well. Eddie, Eddie. Oh, Eddie's Eddie will always be there. And you know what? If there's a glass of wine at the end of Definitely. it, you know, Eddie will be there for sure. I mean, normally what happens is whenever I go and meet her for a swim or something like that, she goes, oh, should we, you know, what time is it? Do you think we should just leave it and have a glass of wine? <gasps> she'll, she'll be cross with me for saying that. <laughs> you're letting um, away all her secrets and, and your coaching secrets. Are you, are you currently taking on any athletes at the moment just for people listening? I do. If, if people, I, I always like a, um, you know, I, I like a good story. I like a good challenge. You know, I like it if someone comes to me, they want to try something really new that they haven't tried before. I love making changes to people's lives because I guess when I look back over my life, okay, yeah, it was a long time ago, but, you know, I really believe that it's never too late to change. And I'm not saying someone wants to make a change because they're not happy with themselves, but just saying, you know what, actually, I need a challenge in my life. I always need a challenge, even at 50. I need something in the diary because it's very easy to kind of go, Oh, you know, why, why am I going to bother going running tomorrow night or on a Saturday night? I'll have another glass of wine because it doesn't matter. Cause, but if I have something in the diary, it's like I'm so much more likely to, you know, follow, you know, a good training program. And so I love sort of giving that back to other people, you know, watching people achieve amazing things. Because I think, it, you know, life is about balance. It's about having fun. If you like your wine, drink wine. But also mix that up with, you know, some, some great challenges in your life, whether it's, you know, a marathon, whether it's a triathlon, you know, whatever it is is you know have have a physical challenge because uh, i think we've just you know seen what's happened to everyone in the last seven months you know being physically fit you know whoever you are whatever you age are is is really important brilliant wise words and might we hear you um commentating in in tokyo next year well fingers crossed then yeah kind of take each day as it comes at the moment um, I you know I don't really I haven't really heard um, anything early days going ahead but you know as we saw this year you know anything's possible but I'm also doing some work with Super League Triathlon who are amazing so Great. there'll be stuff going on there and hopefully more World Triathlon Series stuff and hopefully as the months go by we'll we'll move back to to old normal I don't want new normal I quite like old normal we just stick <laughs> with old normal <laughs> <laughs> I love it I love it